Uh, what a fitting song. Uh, oh, how he loves us. Um, this morning, as we begin, I, I want us to think about uh, that one point as the basis for us opening his word. Uh, if, if you know that God loves you, uh, you will treat the words that are in here differently because of knowing that. Um, I think of a lady who's uh, kind of famous in our family. Um, my, I grew up knowing this lady as Aunt Violet. Uh, some of you know my dad, uh, when he was uh, a young boy, he grew up in Germany. And at the end of World War II, he, him and his family had, had traveled to a refugee camp and they had spent uh, the last couple of years of their time there in this refugee camp. And they somehow had gotten connected to this woman. I don't believe she's really family, but when you're an immigrant, uh, everyone's an aunt or an uncle in the whole community. Uh, and she was referred to in our family as Aunt Violet. And um, she lived in Detroit, Michigan, and uh, she was wealthy, and she would uh, send care packages to my dad and his family in the refugee camps. And then eventually... She sponsored them to come over, uh, their whole family, and really a couple other families that were connected to my dad's family. She sponsored them to come over. It was interesting, as, um, as, as we grew up as kids going to Michigan to visit relatives, we always visited Aunt Violet, and uh, we visited her uh, on her schedule, and on her, when she said, we're having lunch tomorrow, immediately our schedule just flew right open and we were available to go over to Aunt Violet's house. And what that was, was because my dad realized what she had done for him, that she had done something so significant that they wouldn't have been able to come to the United States if it wouldn't been for her generosity and her care for them. That's a somewhat insignificant and insufficient uh, example of how we should read the scripture, (laughs) that it's a message from our God. And when we think of our God and we should ask the question, and we sometimes do, does he really love us? Does he care about us? We might see a circumstance in our life that is painful or hard and and we say, ah, does God really love me? And the momentary circumstance or the difficult time that we're having isn't the picture of God's love or his unlove for us. The picture of his love for us is the cross that God loved us so much that he sent his son to die for our worthless souls. And that in him, in his love for us, in his display, that we now have life. And so as we look back to his gift of love and the person of Christ and him going to the cross, we always can be confident that he loves us. And as we open the word of God, we should see this as his loving picture, his, his best for us. And as he communicates to us, our ears should perk up and say, oh, this is my God, my God who loves me so much. This is what he has to say for me.
that's what we're going to do this morning as we look at his word. And it's on that basis uh, that we come to the word of God this morning. Let's pray. God, I ask for your wisdom and your grace as we uh, go through your word today. I pray that you would guard my lips uh, and guide my uh, words in such a way that would honor you and that would accurately reflect your message, a loving God, to the people that you love. God, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, uh, we're going to tackle a difficult subject, especially for you ladies. And uh, so, you know, go easy on me. Um, this, This message this morning is not found in other books. I mean, it might be found in other Christian books that are based on the Bible, but this isn't uh, in any books on marriage that don't come from God. This is not found anyplace else. In fact, quite the opposite is found uh, in other places where it talks about marriage and a woman, what, how they should act and who they should be. In fact, I think about a phrase that comes from the feminist movement that says, uh, well-behaved women rarely make history. And, and what that phrase says, what, what the idea behind that is that if you take a place, if you stay in your box, the place where people want you to be, and do what people want you to do, that you'll rarely ever do anything of importance or of significance, that because of that box, you will no longer be creative, you will no longer take risks, you will no longer do anything of importance, and so your life will be meaningless. And in some ways, that's true. Many ways, I agree with that. That there's a sense in which, ladies, if you worry about what people think about you, uh, you will be insignificant in this world. If you're concerned about what your neighbors think, if you're concerned about what your siblings think, if you're concerned about what your mom thinks or, or your peers or uh, the community at large or uh, where the society is going, if you're concerned about what they think about you as a woman, uh, your life will be insignificant. But this morning what we're talking about is not caring about those things but caring about what God says about you as a woman. What He desires, His best for you. That loving God that we had mentioned earlier and sang about and and reflect upon, that He loves us so much. What does He think about your person and you being a woman? This morning, that's what we're going to look at. Ladies, I start out with an assumption this morning that kind of is the basis uh, that I want you to think about. I'm assuming this morning, ladies, that your husband is a jerk. It's not because I know him. Uh, It's not because I've been in your home and seen him treat you as a jerk. But the reason I start with that assumption is this. That the one thing that I know about your husband is that he is a sinner. And that it's not just that he 
has sinned once or twice. It's that he's been good at it. And in your home, being the most intimate of relationships, you and your husband, undoubtedly that sin has come out and come out in that relationship of husband and wife. That's my beginning assumption is that uh, at times and maybe more often than we'd like to admit that, that his sin has come upon you and you have been the recipient and the beneficiary, if I can say it that way, of his sinful life. A few other things I'd like to say this morning before we really get started. Things for us to remember. Husbands and unmarried men. This morning, our attitude regarding this subject and the way we treat our wife makes it super easy for her to do this or super difficult. It's one of two things that we encourage her in this and we give her the tools and it's more like falling off a log so simple by the way we treat her or we make it difficult on her by the way we act. To unmarried women this morning, uh, I want to tell you that this is what you sign up for, that this is uh, premarital counseling. Uh, You may not have identified the guy yet, but you're taking some premarital counseling right now. That this is what you will sign up for. I, I know that the idea of having a wedding and decorating for a wedding and you know I have a girl so I know that getting a nice dress is a good thing. It's exciting to to be a part of that but uh after the 45 minutes are done and the reception happens and you're married for a lifetime this is what the Lord would call you to. And so as you think through marriage for the future as you consider what the Lord would have for you This is what the picture is. It's not someone that you've made up. It's this right here. This is what he will call you to. So we go to Colossians chapter 3. I'd like to read to you this morning. uh, Colossians chapter 3 verses 12 through the end of the chapter. If you'd stand in honor of God's word. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. 
Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service or as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive an inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. You may be seated. And this morning we're back in the book of Colossians. Uh, most of you know about a month and a half ago we took a, a, a little break from our study. Um, and now we're, we're back in it and I want to remind you that Colossians is bringing forth Christ as the superior answer and relationship for, for the person who struggles, you know, the person who, who says, you know, I can be good enough, I can be good enough, I can have a list and, and follow these rules and laws and feasts and festivals, I can be good enough in some way uh, to, that the Lord will accept me. And uh, we set that aside and realize we can't be good enough, that it leaves us wanting. And so Christ is the superior answer. And then we come to chapter 3, and it's the changing of this new identity. It's the showing us of how to live a different life based upon Christ. And as he, the last couple of passages that we've gone through, it's talking about taking off the old life and putting on the new life, putting on this new self that is as Christ has designed us for. And In the verse just prior to the one we're going to be going through this morning, in verse 17, it says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Imagine yourself as being one who just comes to know Christ. You've been striving and and working hard, trying to be good enough. You realize you can't do that. Someone presents Christ and they're like, yeah, I got it. Uh, this is so exciting and I'm putting off the old junk and putting on uh, the new person that is Christ. And this is so great. And we come to verse 17 and he uses the word, whatever you do, whatever you do. And you're going, yeah, I got it. So now whatever I do in the future, whatever happens, it's, it's going to be Christ in the middle of it. And the, the question that might come in someone's mind is they're all excited and they come to know Christ and, and they might say, well, I get that word whatever means whatever, but could you give me an example? Could you give me an example? Maybe just one good example for me. It's almost as if Paul says, I want to give you an example and a really a specific one for each one of you. If you look down there, uh, verse 18 starts out with, what? Wives, go down. Husbands, go down there. Children, fathers, slaves, masters. He goes down and he says, I'm going to talk to specific groups of people and I'm going to show you a specific area in where Christ's new lordship, his new life that he gives you, it's going to play out. This is where it's going to happen. This is what it's going to mean. 
I want to tell you that all of this is in the context of Christ, the context of Christ. You might get nervous, ladies, and you're going, oh, I don't know. I don't know, like this this whole, yeah, I, I can smell it coming. We read it earlier. I'm nervous even to talk about it. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm supposed to kind of take care of myself. What, if the, what, are, what are the implications of all this? I want to tell you that this is not just you and your husband's relationship, that all this is in the context of Christ, that it's your relationship with him that matters most. And that this is not an outgrowth of your relationship with your husband. It's your outgrowth of your relationship and your change that comes from him. Well, verse 18 says this. Wives, submit to your husbands. Submit to your husbands. There, I said it. That word submit or submission is tough to take, isn't it, ladies? What it is, it's the voluntary, it's the voluntary placing yourself under, knowing that this is God's place for you. This is what he has designed for you. This isn't this pastor's great idea that I didn't read this in another book somewhere. This isn't something that we voted on on the elder board. Should women submit to their husbands at Bear Valley Church? Let's put it in the bylaws. You know, we didn't do that. This was what God had to say. Remember, he's our loving God. He loves us very much. And so he says to women, submit, voluntarily place yourself under your husband. Before we go any further, I, I want to highlight that um, who are you to voluntarily place yourself under, ladies? Who is it? Your husband, your husband. This is not men in general. Um, plenty of jerks have uh, looked at this passage and this concept over and over again, and they said, you're just a woman. You're just a woman. You need to submit to me. Uh, I'm glad, at least at Bear Valley Church, that you ladies are smarter than that, and hopefully you'd open up the Bible and say, That's not what it says. Let me read it to you if you can't read very well. Your husband. Your husband. This is a relationship where Christ, your relationship with him, bears out on your personal relationship with your husband. And you placing yourself willingly under his uh, authority. This does not mean, ladies, that you don't have an opinion it's not that you never you quietly sit there when things are going wrong and, and never share your ideas with your husband. It simply means that you, as, as things happen in your home and as you are going about your day, that you're willingly under his authority. It's not something you're bucking against and fighting against. You're not being a boat anchor or doing your own thing. You are being with him in submission, in a submissive relationship, voluntarily. It's not that you don't even have great ideas and maybe could do things better or make better decisions, but that as God's placement for you, you see that as his voice to you of where you need to be. It's the idea of taking your place. 
Forgive me for coming back to this over and over again. Maybe during piano season, I'll talk more about piano. But picture yourself on a baseball team. Picture yourself on a baseball team, ladies. And so, so you're on a baseball team, and the coach says, okay, we're, we're going to head out to the field, and I, I, want you, I want you to play second base. I want you to play second base. And you, you start to head up, you're like, second base? Um, I don't want to play second base. I don't want to play second base. You say, you say, you know, I'm kind of more of a pitcher type. You know, I like to be kind of have the ball in my hand. I like to be in charge. I like to be a part of everything. And uh, he says, no, I, I want you at second base. That's where I have you. That's where you're going to play. You say, well, no, if I can't pitch, how about catching? I really like to wear all that gear and get behind the plate and stuff. He said, no, no, I have you at second. Well, what about first base? I can catch really well. Uh, no, I won't let anything get by me. I, I really can grab that. No, second base is where I have you. You say, okay. You're the coach. I, I realize that I have different ideas here. I think I can play better. And, but you think it would be best for me to be at second base. So you go to second base. The difficulty, ladies, and maybe you've thought this through all, all, already, is if you could picture your husband on that same team. And, you know, you're, the coach goes to your husband. He says, I, I, I want you to pitch. He says, I don't want to pitch. I don't want to pitch. It just seems like too much pressure to pitch. You know, I might throw a few balls and then I walk a few people. I just don't want that pressure. I'm just going to sit here in the dugout. I'm going to sit here in the dugout. He said, no, I want you to pitch. He says, no, I'm not going to pitch. I'm going to sit here in the dugout. You can picture yourself, ladies, can't you, out at second base going, how come I'm out here at second base and my husband's not pitching? He told me, I'm out here at second base. I'm doing what I don't want to do. He doesn't want to pitch. He should be out here pitching. The coach told him the same thing. How come he's not pitching? If he's not pitching, I'm not playing second base. Don't we get that attitude of saying, well, I, my, I'll, I'll, do, I'll do something that's uncomfortable for me if he'll do something that's uncomfortable for him. I want to tell you, ladies, um, that I struggled over this. I even think that I talked to Brandon and Mike at least once about uh, how, to, how to go through this passage. I was thinking of doing verses 18 and 19 together. That seemed like a good idea. You know, have the husband, maybe even do a Russian church thing where I have all the men on one side and all the women on the other, and I could just go, okay, and then go over here, and, you know, you could all kind of listen. Wouldn't that be kind of been a good idea, right? The problem with that, the problem with that is this, that these verses are not contingent one on the other. If, your husband plays ball, then I'll play ball, okay? If my kids do what they're supposed to do, I'll do what I'm supposed to do. But if they don't do what I'm supposed to do, and kids, if my parents do what they're supposed to do, I'm going to do what I... Those things are not... And maybe you don't see it in this passage. Maybe you say, well, I think they are. I think they are. I want to point out something, and I, I don't like to cross-reference too often because I think that sometimes I... People try to prove their point from another passage when the passage isn't made and the point 
in the passage that they're looking at. But if you look at, why don't you turn over to 1 Peter chapter 3. I want to show you something, ladies. It's very important. It's extremely important. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. A very similar passage talking about the same idea of submission. God's word says this. Um, Likewise, wives, be submissive to your own husbands. Sounds familiar? Very similar, right? So that even if some of them do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. Interesting verse. It talks about really how winsome and, and beautiful and attractive to the gospel is a submissive wife. That, that she, by her, her living and, and acting towards her husband, can do what? Win him to the gospel. I want, I want to point out something here. Is this a good husband spoken of in verse 1? No. It's the one who does not obey the word of God. You get that, ladies? And how? And, and really, the passage, if you look at First Peter, it's talking about a lot of different scenarios of living in a sinful world and even being in a marriage where your, your husband does not obey the word of God. It says that by your submission, they can be one with many words of nagging. Is that what it says? It doesn't say that, does it? Just wanted to point that out. It's striking, isn't it, ladies? One without a word. Without a word. I'll point this out this morning, ladies, because... the. And it's not just ladies, it's uh, high schoolers, middle schoolers, elementary schoolers, little schoolers, no schoolers, you know, uh, before, they, like, as they learn to breathe, they're, they're, they're always going, well, what about them? What about them? I'll do what I'm supposed to do when they do what they're supposed to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to act the right way when they act the right way. And I want to tell you, ladies, that's, that's a deadly trap for you. Because the relationship here isn't about a husband and wife relationship. It's about your relationship to Christ. Look at, look at what it says as we move on. As is fitting in the Lord. As is fitting in the Lord. That this is not um, because of what your husband is doing. This is because of what the Lord has done. The Lord has done. I want to tell you, just kind of put a commercial in there right here. I realize that this topic um, may open a can of worms for you. That you wanted to uh, come to church this morning and hear a, a message of joy. And I threw out, wives be submissive to your husbands. And that you're like, oh man. I want to tell you that... Uh, some of these things are difficult to get through, and I just want you to know that we, as a pastoral staff, um, we're here for you to talk these things through and to work them through and to help sort them out. I realize they're not uh, cookie cutter in all circumstances. Uh, we can give you counsel, and more importantly, we can pray for you and your marriage, uh, but this is what we are here for.
says, as is fitting in the Lord, as is fitting in the Lord. The idea of being as is fitting is the idea of a proper duty, a proper duty. Ladies, you know about the duty of that, right? I'm pretty sure that uh, you understand that, uh, you know, I'm just guessing, ladies, that you don't wake up most mornings and you hear the birds chirping outside and the flowers blooming and the sun is out and you bounce out of bed and you say, oh, what a glorious day to be submissive to my husband. I just I'm so excited. Where is he? I just want to submit to him. I, I realize that you know about the duty of this. But. The, the point being here is, is of a proper duty. It's the idea that it comes, it, it's a natural progression. And the natural progression is not from your relationship to your husband. It's from your relationship with the Lord. It's the basis for a good marriage is your relationship with Christ. Is that you... Because of what Christ has done for you, the new life that he has given you, you submit to your husband because it's fitting in this new relationship. With your husband? No, with the Lord. With the Lord. It brings us back to the, the, um, the context of Christ, that everything is flowing in in your relationship with him. Many times, many times I've heard uh, ladies say, I am not a sweet, submissive wife. I'm not that sweet, submissive wife. I'm not that one that is spoken of. And, and, and I want to ask you, why not? Why not? Why are you not the sweet, submissive wife that is spoken of? And, and I don't ask that to you like, Dummy, I'm not saying, come on, don't you get it? It's simple. Why I would ask you why not is because this is God's desire for you. The one who loves you so much that he gave up his son to die for you. He cares for you. And so he calls you to a submissive relationship with your husband. Once again, this is in the Lord. I, I, I look at all the things that God calls us to do, and sometimes we get this thing that there's kind of a window, a window where we go up to and we go, okay, it's the God window. And we go up to the window and we say, okay, what do you want me to do? And God says, go be submissive to your husband. And you go, oh, okay. You know, and then you walk away and you're like, how am I going to do that? It's not like that at all. It's a relationship where he walks with you and you walk with him. And he says, I'll give you all the power and all the strength to do everything that I've called you to. I will give you everything that you need to do it. This is what he calls us to. I want to give you three things, ladies, in conclusion, just to maybe help you think this through. And I realized that this morning, just to say... Uh, be submissive to your husband. doesn't give you a whole lot of examples. <laughs> and the passage doesn't. We could talk about those things. But in reality, it will not be like a checklist of things. It will be in your relationship with him as you live. It will be different for everybody. 
But the first thing I want to tell you, ladies, is to be a powerful woman is to be a woman. To be a woman. That was profound, wasn't it? Deep. Kevin, you really know how to preach. Um, It is not to be a man, ladies. It is not to be a man. It's not to say, okay, what are the men doing? I bet you I could do that better. In fact, anything you can do, I can do better. I think there's a song like that or something. I don't know. Um, Ladies, for you uh, to be at the place where you are most happy with who you are and most secure is where God has called you to be. It's to take that position, whether it be second base or third base or wherever it is, knowing that you have been called there not by a dumb coach, not by one who's being unfair and unkind, but someone who loves you most and he knows you best. And so he puts you in a place where you can thrive. Secondly, um, ladies, I want to encourage you to work yourself through it. Work yourself through it. Some of you are saying, well, what does that mean, work yourself through it? You talk to yourself all the time, ladies. I know you do. And you're working yourself through it. You're counseling yourself, right? You're saying, There's, I've come to a difficult spot and I need to counsel myself here. Well, counsel yourself, ladies. Start like this, okay? I'm going to show you how to do it. God loves me. God loves me. I know that God loves me. Why do I know that he, got, he loves me? Not because I have a nice house, because my marriage is perfect, my kids are doing what they're supposed to do, the sun is out, none of those things. It's because of what Jesus did on the cross. God loves me. I know that he loves me. Okay, basis of that. Okay, what does, what has God said? What has God said? He said that he wants me to be in a submissive relationship with my husband. Who said that? Oh yeah, the the God who loves me so much that he sent his son. Okay, made that connection. Does he really love me? Does he really love me? I mean, it doesn't, I don't know. It seems kind of hard and something I don't want to do. Does he really, what's the answer, ladies? Does he really love you? Ladies, what's the answer? Yes, he really loves you. He really loves you. Okay, so if God God loves me and he says, and he really loves me, he really, you know, I'm working myself through this here. Next question that may come up, you're going, Okay, so I'm thinking about this. Does God know my husband? Does God know my husband? You know, you sometimes you think you're going, well, if God loves me, if God loves me, he says be in a submissive relationship with my husband, and, and he really does love me. The only other question that can maybe be out there is, does he know my husband? Does he know what kind of type of guy he is? Does he Does he realize, like, you know, he is a jerk sometimes. And the answer is, he does know your husband. He does know your husband. And, and the point of working yourself through that is if God loves you, uh, he says to be submissive, he really loves you, he knows your husband, then all of that is covered in Christ. All of it. And that you can accomplish this on the basis of him. 
Last thing I want to tell you, ladies, is this. I want to encourage you um, to say to yourself, I'm not responsible for his actions, only mine. I can't let his actions pull me away from my relationship with Christ. I can't use his actions to justify my sin. It's easy to get in that situation where you're standing in a place where you know it's difficult. You're struggling to get the strength from Christ to stay there and you're pointing over at your husband and saying, well, what about him? Why isn't he doing what he's supposed to be doing? I want to tell you, ladies, don't let a relationship with your husband come into a relationship with Christ. He's the one that's called you to the submissive relationship. Lastly, I want to show you something, kind of where um, this passage is going, and I think it might be encouraging to all of us. I'm going to preach the same message for three or four weeks now. I'm just going to exchange uh, duties and positions in the family. And what's great about it, it's going to come out like this. Uh, wives, you, you be wives. You be wives. You take that position. Husbands, you take the husband position. Play it well. Work on your weaknesses. Kids, take the kid position. Okay? You, you be the kids of the family, the, the, the children. Fathers, parents, you, you take the parent position. And, the, and then even beyond that, slaves, masters, you take your position. And, and what the answer is going to be for all this is that Christ will be enough for you whatever position you're playing, whatever position the Lord has for you. Your loving Father who cares about you has a role for you to play. And as you play that role, as you embrace the place that God has for you, you will thrive as you trust in His strength to accomplish. Let me pray for you, ladies that you would be the wives that God has called you to be. God, thank you for the opportunity to preach your word. I pray that uh, the words that I've spoken, that they would have been yours, and that if there are any that came out harsh or unkind or chauvinistic or just flat out wrong, Lord, that they would be scratched from the record and that these ladies would have heard only your word. God, I ask that you would grant, grant them the strength that comes from your Holy Spirit, the basis of their relationship with Christ, to be enough for them. That you would guard their tongues, that you would guard their hearts, that you would slow them down and cause them to think about where you want them to be. May they not see it as a competition against their husband or to be threatened, but to trust that you know what's best for them. God, thank you for the time that we've been able to gather as your church. I ask that you would strengthen the families of this church, the marriages, that you'd be honored here in this place. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.